1: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities
1: so how was your nap my
0: nap was great
1: great i'm really glad to hear that i really enjoyed it um So I had a fun experience while you were napping. Oh. There, <laughs> you know how sometimes or mm, all the time you crack your knuckles, and I hate it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I do
2: all the time. Yeah. Hang on. I don't need to crack them
1: now. Probably because you were doing it all through your nap.
2: I wasn't either. Um. <laughs> Are you suggesting I crack my knuckles? In my sleep. Well,
1: you do do that, yes. No, I'm
2: awake. You, I wake up and crack my knuckles, oh my and then gosh. go back to sleep. I'm so, not. I'm not sleep cracking. The
1: what is my standard reaction when you crack your knuckles?
2: You uh, you fake vomit. Yes. You go like that.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So, <laughs> so you were napping, <laughs> and so you're in the other room. I'm in the living room, and I. <laughs> I kept hearing this cracking and I was like, oh, gross, stop it. So I started to like, uh, uh," every time you'd crack your knuckles and... (laughs) And then you kept doing it. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, he's got the fan on in there. Maybe he's not hearing Mm. my fake vomit noises. So then I started vomiting, like, (laughs) much louder. And you kept doing it. And so I was like, just, like, really yell vomiting at the bedroom. (laughs) Really? Really? As you slept. Uh. And I could not believe. For a moment, I thought, like, well, maybe he's cracking his knuckles at me and intentionally trying to, like, Uh, incite violence wait
2: let me stop you right there cracking my knuckles at you yeah that's not a thing
1: it's absolutely a thing i have
2: never cracked my knuckles at you
1: so i (laughs) i just i'd had enough and i got up and i kind of stormed into the bedroom and there you were peacefully sleeping (laughs) like an angel just hands tucked under your (laughs) face like a baby Mm -hmm. angel Mm -hmm. not making a sound (laughs) and so i (laughs) quietly closed the bedroom door and realized there was a snapping sound coming from the laundry apparently there was something hard in there and it would Yeah,
2: it was a dime i found a dime in the dryer (laughs) so so a a dime was was
1: it almost caused
2: a divorce oh my god (laughs) i would recommend any of you listening right now stop the podcast check your dryer for loose change to avoid a major relationship rift.
1: Yeah, it was rough there for a minute.
2: I didn't hear you because I had my earbuds in. Yeah. (laughs) I was was meditating. (laughs) Well, no, I was sleeping. I intended to meditate and it ended up being a nap. Happens way too often. Anyway. I hope it was restful. It was very restful. I had the earbuds in. So what you got for me?
1: I wanted to tell you today about the green man of Pennsylvania. Big thanks to Dixie for sending us a message uh, and uh, please for the love of God,ing us about the green man of Pennsylvania. So in the 50s and 60s, if you grew up in western Pennsylvania, you most definitely heard the legend of the green man. It states that there is a man who lumbers about the interstate or the highway in Pennsylvania and glows green. There's speculation that he might glow green as a result of being struck by lightning or being shocked in some sort of industrial accident or that he was involved in some sort of radioactive incident at the Duquesne power plant.
2: Or Duquesne, as I like to call it.
1: Duquesne? Yeah,
2: Yeah, I lived in Pittsburgh for a while, and my first day there, I I commented on the Duquesne Incline, and uh, they pretty much ran me out of town.
1: Oh, yeah, that's why you only worked there for a couple days? Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Some variations say that he had been involved in some sort of acid incident, but some said that the green man, in addition to glowing green, had removed his own face. He is also known as Charlie No-Face, and it's said that he roams the hollow late at night, and the town folk would pass their tales of him on to their children (laughs) about how he would chase the people who were out parking in cars. Right,
2: right. That's just good parenting.
1: Yes, absolutely. Scary stories to keep people from necking. I always thought the term "parking" was really confusing because you can just park in a car,
0: sure, but yeah. then you
1: can park in a car, and mm-hmm. that's different and <laughs> t- has different <laughs> implications yep. entirely. And
2: parking brake has a couple of different meanings depending upon, you know, how, how you...
1: heavily you're petting.
2: Well, that too, <laughs> yes, or if you're on an incline, right?
1: More specifically, the, the Duchesny Duchesny incline. incline. <laughs> So anyway, some even claimed to have met Charlie No-Face. Now, the stories of this green man or Charlie No-Face chasing after people or uh, attacking young folks making out in cars are entirely a fabrication. But the legend itself, not too far off.
2: So it's anchored in some historical fact.
1: As they most of the time are.
2: It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. That's like, what I just said. Well, I know. like the 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 story about uh, the the couples that would go quote parking, and they'd heard a story about a guy with a hook for a hand. Mm-hmm who murdered people with axes, and I never really figured out how somebody with a hook for a hand could effectively use an axe to murder a person. it's hard to wield with a hook. Wielding with a hook is a challenge, I would imagine.
1: Hooking, again, another very easily confused term. I bet you can make some really good money hooking with a hook.
2: (laughs) What are you, kink-shaming? I mean, come on. It's a whole thing.
1: I was saying it's a positive. Okay, good. Uh, We get a little sidetracked, but yes, the green man, or no-face Charlie, his name was actually Ray. Ray. So in early August 1919, Ray Robinson was walking with his sister and a few friends in Newcastle. Uh, Ray was eight at the time, and they noticed a bird's nest perched atop a tree next to an abandoned trolley trestle. So he climbed that pole at reaching for the bird's nest outside of Beaver Falls. The bridge had carried a trolley, and the electrical lines oh boy. were still attached. Those lines had actually killed another boy less than a year earlier. Ray was shocked with 11,000 <sighs> volts of electricity and sent flying to the ground. The high-voltage shock burned his face and arms and left just holes where his eyes and nose had been. My God. He survived, but there was a pretty grim prognosis. So doctors were shocked when he did pretty well. According to the allthat'sinteresting.com, despite his horrific injury, reports at the time noted that he was in good spirits and that he could still hear and talk. Now, of course, there is likely to be some isolation.
2: Well, yeah, kids are cruel. Yep. I mean, they can be cruel if you have a slight case of acne. Oh yeah, but
1: for sure. But when your face
2: has been fried off, yeah, I can only imagine. Especially turn of the century.
1: Well, the kids isol-
2: were mean then. Yeah. Well, they were underfed, you know, for one thing, so they were always hangry. Sure. And then, you know, you get somebody who's electrocuted their face off. They're just gonna they're gonna go after him.
1: Right. Well, he was isolated and ostracized, but it was even by his own family, they would Mm. eat separately from him. Oh, no. And he tried to make the best of it. He was a big baseball fan, so he'd listen to all the games he could pick up on the radio. He learned how to read Braille, and he learned how to make wallets and doormats out of old tires. When he became older, his family fashioned a little apartment for him out of their garage, and he would make these tires, doormats and mm-hmm. other things to sell to make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do the selling himself, obviously, his family did. But this comes from The Thrillist. So here he was, sequestered in his family home, and he would rarely venture out during the day. Of course, if you grew up a child being bullied because of your melted face, yeah, you're you're probably going to become kind of isolated. He, at night, would love to go for long walks on a quiet stretch of State Route 351. He would feel along with his walking stick, and even though he usually hid from his curious neighbors, he found great joy hmm. in his nighttime walks. And some people did meet him. So, as I said, they would see him out driving on this highway and nearby roads. And uh, sometimes people would stop, they would exchange short conversations or photographs in exchange for beer or cigarettes according to the post-gazette a local said that people would often meet at the diner uh, before heading out to try to spot the green man
2: oh so it became like a social activity yeah
1: people became obsessed with trying to find him wow and most people just wanted to ask him questions Mm. and you know i'm sure they were curious but then there were others Um, some people would um, find him to make a mockery of him or would have other ill intentions. People would sometimes pick him up and then drive him into the middle of nowhere and oh. toss him out of the car. Oh,
2: that's great. That's just great.
1: And of course, he's blind. He doesn't know where he's at. And, yeah, mm. Um There were stories of people urinating into beer bottles and giving to him, so he would never drink a bottle that was already opened. Uh, People would attack him. He never really understood why. So when a car would approach him, he would stop and wait very nervously for what might come next. The sound of tires uh, started to make him skittish. Rumor had it that Ray even carried a pistol in his belt after one particularly nasty encounter. He was beaten on several occasions and and multiple times hit by a car.
2: You hear stories like this and you think, where is the humanity? This guy is suffering. He was an innocent child when this accident happened. Mm -hmm. He has spent his whole life ostracized by his family as well as society in general And yet people still won't just let him live his life. They have to pour some more agony on this guy.
1: Yeah. I struggle with things like this because, you know, I'm not like a capital punishment kind of person. Mm. Um, But I feel like if you beat up a blind guy who uh, does nothing but make tire wallets and goes for walks, Mm -hmm. then you don't don't get to do this anymore. This whole thing. Like you don't get to do it anymore.
2: Yep. We're going to put you in the gas chamber and then make it a pay-per-view event with the proceeds going to him.
1: And I know it's it's tough because a lot of times, you know, these are teenagers, but... Um,
2: hey, you got to learn a lesson.
1: Right? And sometimes that lesson is by way of being murdered.
2: On, on pay-per-view. Right. Right.
1: By all accounts, Ray was a super nice guy, and he never caused anyone trouble. And when people did stop and talk to him and were, like, cordial with him, he was cool to talk to. He was willing to chat people up, even though, you know, he'd been repeatedly Mm. burned. He was confused as to why people would be mean to him, but he never became bitter. He was never angry about it. He was just like, why would people do this? Mm. And I have the same question, Ray. So as he got older, um, he gave up on his walks, and he moved into a nursing home in Brighton Township, where he was cared for by his family. But, of course, locals still reported that they saw him walking.
2: And Oh, it's a good story. Yeah, yeah, of course. Got to keep our youngsters from necking. <laughs>
1: ray robinson passed away on june 11th 1985 but locals still go on late night adventures in search of this local legend that really was just a cool guy that liked to go for
0: walks
2: you know in in a way you think it's really tragic that this guy suffered so greatly Mm. and he was mocked and he is remembered as somebody, you know, a story that parents use to scare their kids from going out in, in dark places by themselves. Right. On the other hand, here's a guy who made tire wallets, um, who had every disadvantage you could possibly imagine. And yet people still talk about him. They remember him. He left a mark on society and he's thought of as a as a kind man. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. It sure is.
1: In the town that I grew up in, in Bucksport, there was a guy that was always downtown, and his name was Jimmy. There was a nickname for him, but I don't remember what it was.
0: Was
2: he the guy that always went to the library and had a basket on his bike full of books?
1: Yes. You
2: told me a little bit about this guy.
1: He was always at the library, um, in in and around the library. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'd set up shop on the rock wall near the library and you could always find him around there. And it was the same thing with him. Like he wasn't ostracized from the community, but he was never particularly treated well and I remember kids being kind of freaked out by him. I mean he was an old guy and he was always downtown and it's just
0: Riding Bike, yeah. Things Mm -hmm.
1: things are said and of course I think anyone who chooses to live a lifestyle that's different than, you know, the two point five kids and the picket fence and all that business for some reason we think that it's you know our job to be like <laughs> anyway <laughs> it turns out he was a friggin genius and he was so well read and he could speak about anything and had just had so much humanity and empathy and intelligence and he just didn't see the need for this normal thing that everybody else was working toward
2: i think every small town has its local eccentrics, mm. and my hometown was no exception. There was a guy, and it wasn't like people were scared of him, but they he was just, he was very eccentric. He was known as the Pie Man.
1: The Pie Man.
2: Yeah, and he would walk from one end of the town eating those little...
1: Table talk pies? T- table
2: talk pies, and muttering to himself... And as a youngster, I was infatuated. I was very intrigued with... With Pie Man? What, what the heck was this guy all about? Right. You know? And somebody said, kind of like what you're saying, somebody said, you know, he's a genius. And I thought, I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> so one Saturday morning, I was like 10, I went downtown and there's Pie Man munching on a pie and muttering to himself. And so I went up to him and I said, Hi. And he stopped and he had a mouthful of pie and he looked at me and he said, really, one of the most profound things I, th- I think anybody's ever said to me, he said with a mouthful of pie, you know, you got to keep moving or you're going to get the black water. <laughs> and then he just kept going. Yeah. And I, I've carried that with me. Yeah. My entire life. It's great. And and really, it's true. You do have to keep moving or you'll get the black water. That's right.
1: Yeah. Maybe, My, it,
2: maybe it was the pie, really. You know, a steady diet of pie will give you the black water.
1: Right? My dad loved those table talk pies. <laughs> but he didn't do a lot of moving,
2: so.
0: <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle.
1: Today's thing in the middle, some strange things flushed down toilets.
2: Number five, Lego bricks. Not just a handful, though. In 2016, a survey estimated that British children have flushed over... million square Lego bricks down the toilets.
1: Legos are expensive. Number four, a 14-inch goldfish. Now, we all know that fish kind of grow to the size of the enclosure they're in, so when you flush them down the toilet, if they can survive...
2: He wasn't 14 inches when they flushed him, because that would be a real clogging danger.
1: Right, no, no.
2: Oh, well, I flushed a few things down there, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, Um Number three, live World War II bombs that are ready to explode. Not just one, but we found several, apparently, in the sewers.
1: Number two, cold, hard cash. A janitor in Australia discovered some notes sticking out of a toilet bowl, <laughs> 50s and 100s, in fact. He thought it was a prank, but after... <laughs> Snagging the cash, he rushed to report the matter to police. They discovered ninety-three thousand dollars had been flushed oh, down the toilet.
0: Why?
2: Oh! And number one, a woman's Rolex watch. A woman from Chino Hills, California. She was really upset because her eighty-five hundred dollar Rolex watch fell into the toilet just as she was flushing it. Oh. So she immediately called not one, but a team of plumbers to help her find it. She could not find her watch. But in a wonderful twist of events, 18 months later, a plumber that was involved in the original search was working a mile downhill when he discovered the Rolex amid, well, let's say debris. And in a testament to the quality of a Rolex, after it was cleaned up, good as new, oh, didn't stop ticking.
1: They should make an advertisement out of
2: that. I had something similar happen to me. Somebody bought me. I do
1: not believe that.
2: No. Well, not a Rolex. No, 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 no. I've never owned a Rolex. But I was given a gift one time of a really nice pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses.
1: Oh. You know, like
2: 150 bucks or something like that. and And I was wearing them to the Tucson Balloon Festival. Okay. I had to go into the porta potty and relieve myself. And oh, I no. put my glasses up on top of my head. Yep. And I looked down to, you know, aim properly because that's the kind of guy I am. Right. And my Ray Bans went right into the porta potty. Mm-hmm. Right in. And I'd had them like a day. Did or you two. go and get them? No, I did not. But what I did learn from that is don't worry about aiming, protect your sunglasses.
0: <laughs> we would have uploaded this episode sooner, but. We just couldn't decide on an outfit. Be honest. Does this make our butt look big? This is The Box of Oddities.
2: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids.
0: The Box of Oddities, with Kat and
2: Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I came across an article about the uh, mobster Dutch Schultz.
1: He was the illustrator for Peanuts, right? No,
2: no, 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 no. No, you're getting your Schultzes mixed up. Dutch Schultz was the victim of an assassination, but he didn't die right away. He um, lingered for hours and was delirious. They had somebody there taking notes of what he was saying because they were trying to find out where he, among other things, had hidden all of this money that he mm-hmm. had he had stolen. It's still out there, by the way. They're still looking for it. Oh, my. But... It was just this long, surreal, rambling last statement that went on for, like, pages, and it didn't make any sense. It was
1: like, and at the last minute, she pulls the football out every time.
2: No, you're still, you're thinking of the wrong. Okay, sorry. Anyway, got me thinking about uh, weird last words. Oh, Okay. Of people.
1: Always a favorite.
2: Specifically... People that were executed on death row. Oh, my. Yeah, what their last words were. Many death row criminals, f- surprisingly, not or not, uh, acted very similarly when delivering their quote, famous last words as they did in life. Some joked around with the press, some had a, a pretty good sense of humor about it, uh, some proclaimed their innocence right until the end. Sure. Some had more standard goodbyes, um, and then there were some that were just batshit crazy. <laughs> When it comes to famous last words of executed criminals, there are some that are extremely memorable along with their criminal history there. That's what they're remembered for.
1: I, one that stands out to me is Eileen Warnos. I remember her last words were kind of.
2: Yeah. And that's what I'm going to close with.
1: Okay. I Uh, will not say this. then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, bad shit crazy. Uh, But then there was, there was a guy, George Apoll, George Apoll. According to Quora, in December 1927, a poll was committing a holdup in a New York restaurant. And in the process of holding the restaurant up, the police showed up and he shot police lieutenant James Kemmer. And James Kemmer, officer Kemmer, died of his injury. Strangely, a poll claimed that he was innocent of that murder. But in July of 1928, a month before his execution, he signed a sworn confession to a November 27 murder for which another man had been convicted for. Weird. Daniel J. Graham, who ironically was a police officer, had been hired to guard a construction company's paymaster in the 1920s. Payrolls were always cash then. Uh, Pratt was killed, and the 4,700 he'd been carrying was missing. Graham was arrested soon after. He had no explanation as for why he hadn't been guarding Graham and no alibi for his whereabouts. So he was convicted of murdering this guy. Apol said, no, he didn't do it. I did it. After Apol's confession, Graham sought a new trial. The appeals went through and everything. They denied it. And so they were both sentenced to die and interestingly enough, just minutes apart at oh. Sing Sing Prison. One went and then the other. George Apoll was electrocuted in the electric chair in the 1920s. And his last words were, well, gentlemen, you're about to see a baked Apoll.
1: Stop it. Those are
2: his last words. No. Had to get a dad joke in <sighs> before his brain sizzled in his skullcap.
1: That's terrible. That's very embarrassing. I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to say this before you continue because you're going to get into it and then I'm gonna, just going to keep trying to think of a way to get it in and you're going to just stare at me. Because, anyway. More
2: Peanuts references? No.
1: <laughs> My father's final words were, love her as I loved her and there will be joy. Boo! Boo! Slime, muck, filth. <clears throat> love you.
2: Barbara Graham not related to the other person named Graham, a whole different Graham, mm-hmm. or as far as I know, maybe she was. According to Wikipedia, she started an affair with uh, a guy who told her about a 64-year-old widow whose name was Mabel Monahan.
1: Wonderful name.
2: Yes, it is. And Mabel allegedly kept a large amount of cash and jewelry in her house in Burbank, California. So okay. on March 9th, 1953, Barbara Graham joined this other guy, whose last name was Perkins, to rob Monahan's home. Graham reportedly gained entry by asking to use her phone. Once Monahan opened the door for Graham, they all burst in. They demanded the money and jewels, but she refused to give them anything. At this point, according to a statement and testimony, Graham began viciously pistol-whipping Monahan. She cracked her skull and then suffocated her to death with a pillow. Mm. The robbery attempt turned out to be a futile effort. The gang found nothing of value in the house, and they left empty-handed. They later learned that uh, they had missed about 15000 in jewels and valuables, which is equivalent to about $143,000 today, stashed in a purse in the closet near where she had been murdered. The press nicknamed her Bloody Babs. On June 3, 1955, she was scheduled to be executed at 10 a.m., but that was stayed by California Governor Goodwin J. Knight until 10.45 a.m. And then 10.43, he stayed it again until 11.30 a.m. Graham protested, Why do they torture me? I was ready to go at 10 o'clock. At 11.28, she was led from her cell, strapped down in the gas chamber. And before she took her last breath, her last words were, good people are always so sure they're right she's buried in san rafael california
1: wow yeah
2: good people are always so sure they're right
1: because they're good people
2: yeah thomas j grasso 32 year old guy double murderer executed by lethal injection at oklahoma state penitentiary in uh, McAllister, oklahoma on March 20th, 1995, he had strangled Hilda Johnson, an 87-year-old woman, using her Christmas tree lights.
1: Oh, that's terrible. On
2: Christmas Eve in 1990.
1: Uh, so much of this is upsetting, but I have to say, you've said so many great names.
2: A lot of great names in here. Mabel. Yeah.
1: Mabel's one of my all-time favorite names. I friggin' love the name Mabel. Hilda. Hilda. That's a great name. <laughs> that night guy, great name.
2: So once he strangled her, he went through her house and uh, all he found was $8 in her purse, $4 in loose change, in oh, her television set, which he stole and sold for $125. Six months later, after moving to New York with his wife, he murdered another old woman. Stop. 81-year-old Leslie Holtz from Staten Island. He stole her social security check. Uh, the day before his execution... Grasso released several statements, four, to the press, some in the form of poetry. Oh. (laughs) Here's one. Ready, willing, and waiting am I. Asked for death, but could not die. Each sunrise is one day less. I'll (laughs) endure this horrible mess. Sounds like a really dark Dr. Seuss book. When the last sun does sink, Mr. E will serve a goodbye drink. On the day our paths do cross, it won't take much to see it through. Just a little toxic brew... The warden will read my last creed and the deadly brew will flow. See that doesn't even rhyme. Oh jeez. He tried to rhyme flow with through.
1: I you know I there's something about and I I love art. You know I love art. I, all kinds of art. Big fan of paintings and sculpture and slam poetry from time to time and I love interpretive dance and I'm but there's something about serial killer or murderer or uh, criminal art that grosses me out so much. Like, and we did, we saw some at Alcatraz East and the whole time I was just like, ugh, gross.
2: Oh, it's John yeah. Wayne Gacy it's, stuff. It's just That's
1: so self-indulgent and bleh.
2: Well, this goes on for a couple more stands. Please stop. I'm going to skip over that Thank part. Thank you. But that was not his last statement. Just before he was taken to be executed, he issued one final statement. Oh, good. It said, quote, I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. And then, chunk, and that was the end of him.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's, uh... Yeah. That's rough. It's too bad. (laughs) Too bad, bucko.
2: Here's another great name. You'll love this. Grover Cleveland Redding.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Redding claimed that he was the prince of Abyssinia, and he was trying to move people to his country. Um, He was kind of an anarchist, I guess. He was anti-government. And uh, during a riot that was started by Redding, a couple of his followers ended up being shot to death. So he was sentenced to death for that. He was executed June 24th, 1921. His final statement was, I have something to say. But not at this time. Click. All right.
1: That's kind of that's kind of funny.
2: James French was serving a life sentence in Oklahoma State Penitentiary, once again in McAllister.
1: Lots of Oklahoma, yeah.
2: For uh, killing a West Virginia motorist who had picked him up while he was hitchhiking in 1958. Rude. He had actually requested the death sentence, but they just gave him life. And he was pissed about that. He wanted the death sentence. And he kept appealing to the court to please kill me, and they said no, or, or they just would ignore his letters. Okay. So while serving his life sentence, French was placed with uh, an inmate, Eddie Lee Shelton. They didn't get along. He hated this guy. So. Uh-huh. On October 27, 1961, French attacked Shelton, and according to the Oklahoma County District Judge Charles Owen, French determined he was going to kill his roommate, but he felt that he would let the victim have one last meal. So he treated Shelton to a steak sandwich from the prison canteen, and then, quote, allowed Shelton to go to breakfast. So upon Shelton's return from breakfast, French wrapped a towel around Shelton's neck and killed him. Then he said, you know what, I want to be put on, the, on death row, please, or I'm just going to keep killing people. So they did. They put him on death row.
1: That seems like a real catch-22.
2: You don't want to give him what he wants, no, but then again- you
1: can't just have him running around murdering people.
2: So on August 10th, 1966, he walked calmly into the execution chamber at 10 p.m. The Associated Press reporter at the scene wrote, James Donald French got what he demanded, death in the electric chair. He faced death with the same cockiness he faced life. As he sat in the chair, he said to the reporter, quote, how about this for tomorrow's headline? French fries. Click. What is going
1: on with the puns?
2: I don't know.
1: It's, you must be kind of obsessing about the words, like, fry and burn and baked baked and mm. you must yeah. mess kind of like obsess about what's going to happen to you so of course the puns come a flowing <laughs> like the electricity will through your buddy right <laughs>
2: you, know. and you had mentioned eileen warnos mm. gonna end with this one sorry about that according to wikipedia she was an american serial killer and a sex worker who more who murdered seven men in florida in 1989 and 1990 by shooting them at point-blank range. Warnos claimed that her victims had either raped or attempted to rape her while they were soliciting sex from her and that all of the homicides that she committed were in self-defense. She was sentenced to death for six of the murders and was executed by lethal injection on October 9th, 2002. Of course, the film Monster, of course, that starred Charlize Theron as Warnos.
1: What a treasure!
2: She she won the Academy Award for that.
1: As well, she should have. Yeah. That transformation was incredible.
2: But in real life, the real life Eileen Warnos, just before she was executed, her final words were quote, "I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the Rock, and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus on June sixth, like the movie, Big ship and all. I'll be back." Yep. That was that was the last thing she ever said. Yeah. There's really nothing good about that story. No. Except Independence Day. She mentioned that. That was a good movie. That
1: was fun. That was a lot of it fun. Lot of One it. It of those a, summer blockbusters. Yeah, it was
2: a cinematic romp.
1: We uh, watched The Lovebirds on Netflix and then I have since recommended it on our Facebook group.
2: Oh, that was so good. It was so much fun. That's a good couple's night movie. Yeah.
1: It reminded me a lot of Queen Pins. Uh which we can't really talk about like how the movie goes. No, um, we
2: signed a disclosure. We
1: did, but I can say that it was great, and Lovebirds did kind of remind me of it a little bit.
2: That's Kristen Bell and uh, Vince Vaughn's upcoming movie that we got vocal cameos in.
1: Yeah, I don't think we're credited. Are we credited? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. We we can't get get our SAG card or anything.
2: No, we'll give you the timestamp so you'll know it's us. You're on an answering machine and then I'm talking to a character over the phone while he's on the toilet.
1: Yeah, that's the the magic of uh, high quality audio Mm -hmm. from Maine to California.
2: That's right. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. We'll let you know when that's released. That's a really fun movie. So much fun. Oh, we wanted to thank a couple of people. We want to thank a lot of people, but we don't have time. So a couple of people is who we will thank right now. We
1: got some really nice stuff in the mail this week. Our mail days are always so much fun, and we appreciate everything that's sent to us. And I'm sorry that we don't always have a chance to acknowledge everything that is sent to us, but we really appreciate it and just... We got um, a really nice letter from Jordan. Uh, again, all kinds of stamps, which are not fun to look at at all. I don't care. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: he covers the envelope with stamps from all over the world when he sends us stuff.
1: Kip sent us some privy treasure.
2: Explain what that is.
1: So uh, it's basically, it's going and digging up old outhouses, mm-hmm. looking for neat stuff. Because and, in the
2: old days, that's where they threw their garbage. Yeah.
1: So that's pretty incredible i've got some uh, michigan privy treasure right now which i'm pretty excited about you know
2: it's covered with 19th century bacteria you
1: know it and also jules sent us some incredible baked goods from her new company which was inspired by our phrase eat a bag of dicks (laughs) um so she started the (laughs) she started the eat a bag of dicks cookie cram company yeah but it's actually called the Excellent Bit of Dough, Cookie Graham Company, because she wasn't sure about trademarking eat a bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. And she sent us cookies that look like us that are penises. Yes,
2: they're penis cookies with our faces on them.
1: I will share photos of that <laughs> majesty because it's incredible. When we opened it, I swear to God, the neighbors heard me screaming. Yeah,
2: it was pretty great. <laughs> it really was.
1: They're awesome. Yeah,
2: thank you so much. We're always so grateful when we receive something like that in the mail, but we're we're just so grateful that we get to do this podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for allowing us into your ear holes.
1: We're really excited about the next few months and uh, starting to really plan to get out there and meet you again. And that's something that we miss doing so much. And we're just really excited. Some
2: really happens. big, big things on the horizon. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll tell you as they develop. Yeah. Uh, we should mention this, though. Last week, we hit 10 million downloads.
1: Um, Yeah.
2: What the? It's
1: <laughs> kind what? of a big deal. We celebrated with a $12 bottle of champagne. Woo! I'm sorry, Prosecco.
2: We get crazy up in this bitch. <laughs>
1: um i just can't that's that number is mind-blowing and i'm just i'm so grateful
2: love you guys thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you next time
1: until then keep flying that freak flag
0: fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands henceforth the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories—stories stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. Theboxofoddities.com on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Box of Oddities Podcast on Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.